This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Now, there are some among the uninitiated and uninformed who say that Juju Smith-Schuster's fumble, which we played for you, lost the game for the Steelers. I can point to upwards of five things that contributed to that loss. And when you stop and think, what we saw on Sunday was not at all dissimilar to what we've seen many times this season. And that's why they're hanging on a cliff by their fingernails. To me, and they all had impact in how they lost that game in New Orleans, but to me, the play that will stand out is not the juju fumble, not the fake punt, not the Ridley fumble. The play that stands out to me is with all that going on and all that happened that preceded it, because even the Ridley fumble, they, they blocked the field goal after that. That doesn't mean it wasn't impactful because the Steelers had all the momentum. They get the first down there. But the play that sticks out to me was with all that, the Steelers had New Orleans third and 20. Third and 20. And they gave up a 28-yard play again who virtually hadn't played all year long, just about. That's where they lost the game. Third and 20. And that's not the first long-yarded situation they've given up. That can't happen. Oh, it can. But if you expect to win, it can't. That's the play, to me, that cost them the game. There are other factors involved. I did not like the fake punt call. I was on the air Sunday night after the game doing the Steelers postgame show with Charlie Batch. He had no problem with it. I did only not because it was an aggressive move, but because of the given circumstances. My point was the Steelers had done a really good job, all things being relative, on Drew Brees in the second half. I mean, Really, the whole game, when you stop and think about it, the first touchdown was a gift thanks to the officials. They gave up the field goal at the end of the first half. That is disgraceful. But by and large, they had been doing a really good job on Breeze, as they had done the week before on Brady. So my point is, if things are going well at that point, and... I'm on my own side of the 50. I got a punt there. Maybe if it's fourth and one or two, it was fourth and six. And I know that's one of those things, if they make it, it's great. It's like when in Cowher's first game, when he called the fake punt with Craig Colquitt, led to a victory in Houston. What if it hadn't worked? But that was the first game of a season. This was akin to a playoff game. And maybe the tune would be different had Roosevelt Knicks made it. 
So I'm not complaining about the call itself, but the timing and circumstances involved. If I'm on their side of the 50, I consider it more than I do if I'm on my own side of the 50. But at that point in time, I'm doing a really good job defensively on Drew Brees. I'm going to kick it and say, here, take it 80 yards and see if you can go. You haven't done much really in the second half. So that's why I didn't like it. Not because I thought it was unwarranted. I just thought, given the circumstances, wasn't the time <clears throat> or field position to do it. The Ridley play, getting back to that, maybe you feel the same way. It reminded me so much of the Fitzgerald Toussaint fumble in the playoff game in Denver. They had all the momentum. They were driving. They had the lead, looking to pad their score. And then that. I think there was a legitimate question raised by one of our callers on the postgame show. Why is Ridley even in the game at that point? Coming in cold. What, he had one carry before that? And let's remember that on first down, Samuels gained seven. Now, Samuels did not run very well or hard on the second down and three, which set up the third and two. I didn't like the play call there. Second and three, now the defense has no idea what you're going to do. You can throw a safe pass there. But you can make the argument that, I mean, Ridley's a straight-ahead guy, but it just reminded me so much of the Tucson fumble against Denver because the circumstances were very, very similar. I still think the third and 20 is what cost him the game. But when we look back, how many times have we seen this? It's been consistent. The defense can't make a stop, can't make a play. This time Boswell was not at fault, but we know that he's had an awful season. And as great a season as Ben has had, how many interceptions has he thrown in the end zone late in fourth quarters? There have been a few. There's so many reasons why they're sitting there at 8-6-1. and one and hanging by a thread. And we saw a lot of them surface again in New Orleans. And yeah, I'll go there. The officiating. I'm sorry. There seems to be great debate whether Stefan Tua tipped that ball on the Hayden 4th and 2. There's debate whether it should have been called. But the first one, I mean, you had every... NFL officiating analysts tweeting stuff out from Mike Pereira to Gene Steratore to Dean Blandino to Stevie Wonder saying that was an awful call. And I tweeted out, and I normally don't during games, there are bad 
pass interference called make it made every week in the NFL. But that was the worst I've seen all year. And let's remember something. That was fourth down. That was a fourth down play. Steelers get the ball back about their own 32. It was nothing more than a Hail Mary. Well, there's one prayer that went it was answered. 412-922-2874, pound 970. Thomas in Los Angeles. Hello, Thomas. How you doing, Stan? Good to have you back, man. Boy, Thank I you. Was really suff- I was suffering without you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was suffering too, but I'm uh, I'm good now. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're better. Um, just a couple of things, Stan. Next year, Arizona's going to be in re- rebuild mode again. What would it take for the Steelers? Would it take a first-round pick and maybe even a second? I know this is not the Steelers. You know, um, motive, motive of operation, method of operation, to get Patrick Peterson to show up the other corner position, so you don't have the third and twenty completions and getting twenty eight yards. Or what would it take? Even like I said, it's not well, there was conversation to move up. There was conversation, uh, you know, about this with Peterson um, right about the time the season began, or maybe it was slightly into the season, as I recall. And um, Arizona was apparently dangling him out there. Then they came back. Um, Peterson had said, you know, another bad season, another losing season, uh, that he would be amenable. But then both of them sort of recanted. The Cardinals said, we're not trading him. Peterson said, I, you know, I want to win here, blah, blah, blah. Of course, another year goes by. Um, I'm sure it would take a first-round pick. Um, uh, you know, who knows where the Steelers end up picking um, it's going to, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a fairly favorable position. My point is, is that if dealing up for a high profile DB, um, if you're drafting, let's say 17th, as opposed to 25th, you don't have as far to go. Understand. I don't know what the crop is. I really haven't studied the draft yet, but usually the best defensive backs are gone in the top 15 picks, but at least yes. if they wanted to do this, then they'd be closer. If you're drafting 25, that's a long way to go to get up in the top 15. Right. And even if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, they're going to be around 17, 18, 19. And again, the best corners are not going to be there. And if your window is closing with Brown and Ben, and you know you have a glaring weakness, it may just be time to say, hey, it's not our style, but we got to win now. Let's do what we can to get after this guy to show up that other position. Well, some would and, say that uh, that should have been the uh, uh, that should have been the thought process heading into this season. Um, true, uh, you know, and, and um, uh, an inside linebacker. There's obviously a big hole there. Um, I don't want to get into the draft and off season yet. I prefer right. to wait till that's over. Thank you, Thomas. Right. I appreciate the call. Okay, thank All you. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to switch and talk some hockey. Uh, those of you on the line, we'll get back to football since we're talking to Josh Yoey um, uh, and back to the Steelers again, one with Jerry Dulac, uh, more about the Steelers and officiating in the NFL at 120. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Gets the snap. He's back. He throws for the end zone. Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Antonio Brown got a yard on Lattimore, and that's all she wrote. 
Ben says he's coming back next year. Why wouldn't he? But as much as he is a huge part of the Steelers' successes, he's also been a part of some of the failures that they've had in games that they could have and should have wrapped up. Let's answer our trivia question. Who was the pitch starting quarterback in that um, day of infamy? Well, that was a, I remember that. It was the worst football game I've ever seen. Um, the, the answer was local product Bill Stahl went to see in the Sal uh, quarterback at Pitt. He was the starting quarterback that day. Big win, windy day. Oregon State didn't have Jaquiz Rogers that day, as I recall. It was their primary weapon. Anyway, Bob and Bloomfield was the first correct caller, and Bob wins the $25 gift certificate to the Carlton Restaurant. Back to the Steelers topic, 412-922-2874, pound 970. Brent in Delaware. Hi, Brent. Thanks for waiting. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I want to touch on that, uh, you know, you were talking about, like, Ben throwing interceptions and stuff like that. Well, I mean, a lot of that got, I think that's, you know, got to do with it is, you know, you know, we've been playing a lot of, a lot of games conservative. I mean, you look at the Broncos game, you know, getting to the second half, uh, you know, we don't do like any – I don't think we scored anything in the third quarter. You know, and then you're fighting back. You know, you're down by touchdown, field goal, whatever. And, you know, you're having to force the ball into a tight area, and you're on like the one or two-yard line. You know, you know that's one of the occasions. And then, you know, same thing for uh, the Chargers game. You know, when, when you're, you know, up and then – you don't do anything. <laughs> Come time the second half. Same for the. Uh, you know, this is the reason why we're in our situation where we are now. You know, is because later in games we don't like to do anything until you know fourth quarter comes around. Um, well, there are a couple you know. of exceptions to that. The Charger game, of course, right? They only scored seven points uh, in the second half, and then when they had to, they had a twenty-three-seven lead. Um, the let's put it this way: the defense has its issues. The offense didn't do it any favors. Um, part of that, uh, I think, again, I hate to blame officiating uh, and injuries, but it also it seems to me stands to reason that if James Conner had been healthy, then I think they would have been more willing to rely on the running game um, in the last two, three games. I mean, I think that they were kind of reluctant. I mean, they used Samuels. Hey, they used Samuels a lot against the Patriots. But I think that it would have been natural to expect them to run the ball more um, uh, and if they had Connor, and the other thing is too is I, I think overall there's been an imbalance. I mean, throwing 50 times a game, uh, I think that's a recipe for defeat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, yeah, we're just a passing league and all, man. But I mean, <laughs> you just can't throw that many times. I mean, you're bound to to throw an interception here or there at some point in time, throwing it 50, 60 times. You know, and like I said, I sometimes I I don't know why. You know, in the first half, I can see, you know, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, let's get the score up. You know, but second half, man, you know, we just were three and out. You know, that's why I like I like to see them get the ball sometimes in the, uh, you know, especially when they're at home. You know, I like to get the ball sometimes in the way games, you know, get the ball in the first, uh, first half. But in the second half, when we're home, I mean. If well, let me just – they have uh, deferred to get the ball to start the second half, um, but the last two games, I think because they felt they wanted to put their best unit out there and they were afraid their defense couldn't handle Brady 
or Breeze, although they did a pretty good job against them, uh, they won the toss and they elected to receive. Uh, maybe wanted to get out ahead of it. Brent, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Sarcastic Sword joins us now. Hello, Sword. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Same to you, Stan. It was good to hear you Sunday night uh, back healthy, and I hope this New Year's a healthy one for you. Thank you. Uh, hard to argue with the third and 20 as a big play of the game, but I'll still go with spotting maybe the best team in the league, basically spotting them seven with that uh, interference call. Uh, it brings you to the point um, about something being done. If they're not going to review plays like that, the penalty has to be changed. You just can't give 30, 40, sometimes 50 yards up on one play that's very subjective at times. And uh, if you're not going to have a review, you've got to go to a college-type role with first and 10. Uh, they made a, would have put them in field goal range, uh, the Saints, that is, and they still might have got three. But uh, these plays uh, drive you crazy. Uh, I'm, by the way, I, uh, that's one of the alternatives. Um, yeah. I would like to see replay expanded to a degree and I realize then you get into the we'll, we'll talk about that at 120. Then you get into the discussion of well, to what degree are you talking about? Uh, gray area. But I think that one way, um, if, if you're not going to have that, um, I felt this way for a long time. I think what's what's happened here in the NFL is that that's part of everybody's playbook. Hey, when all else fails, let's just throw up yeah. a bomb and see yep. if we can get away with one. And it shouldn't be in anybody's playbook. I mean, that's to me that's counter to what the game. Is supposed to be about. Uh, yep. I've advocated for that for a long time. Fifteen-yard pass interference from the uh, from the uh, the uh, uh, line of scrimmage, as opposed to a spot foul, first and ten. Well, Flacco made a career out of that, and you know it's a completely they're infallible when it comes to penalties. Everything else is reviewed, basically placements, whatever. But when it comes to penalties, uh, they're infallible, and that, that's that's crazy. Real quickly, as far as Ridley's play and fumble, uh, I think as you know, and it's not the it's the fumble. It's not the play so much. They were stacked, and he he didn't have a good. It wasn't a good run, but I think they were going to go for it on fourth down. I think Ben would have been in the back by himself and spread the offense, and might well have got a first down. And as far as the fake punt. Um, you wouldn't have done that from scrimmage, you know, fourth and sixth from that position with Ben under center. But that's part of why it would have and could have been a surprise to the, to the defense there. And you could, you know, who's to say the punt wouldn't have been blocked or that Hill would have had a big return as he's done this year. I think this, Stan, lastly, if I sat you down and you, you know, were out of uh, out of commission for a great time, and you didn't know what these teams had done the first fourteen games of the, of, of the year, and you just watched that game very objectively, I'd say those teams were very close. And yeah. You have maybe the best team in the league, and the Steelers gave them stood toe to toe with them, and I actually was very proud of the way they played uh, overall. I, it was more good than bad. I'm, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I right. mentioned that on the postgame show. They played really well. But uh, I cited this too. Jack Pardee, you're old enough to remember him. A lot of people yep. will not. Great player. He was a coach of the Chicago Bears and the Redskins. Um, I worked with him for a season in the World Football League, as a matter of fact, going way back. And he told me once, he said, look, there's about 140 plays in an NFL game, give or take. He said about 130 are going to be exactly the same. 
but who tips the balance and the other 10 wins the game. And the balance has been tipped against them. I was very proud of the way they fought back. And let's remember, they're down 10. They're down 24-14 in, as Tomlin would say, a hostile environment um, mm-hmm. against you know, a really good team. Um, and look, the way they played back-to-back against the Patriots uh, yep. and, and the Saints, that to me is uh, talks about the entire season. But you know what? They didn't lose their playoff opportunity, if that's the way it's going to work out, this past Sunday. They lost it in Oakland. They lost it in Denver. They lost it in Cleveland. Can't argue that, but uh, they got a little momentum, and we'll see what happens. Great drama, great entertainment. Stan, nice to have you back. Glad you're healthy. Thank you, Sword. I appreciate that. Um you know, we'll get to you know what's going to happen with the Browns and the Ravens. I, and and by the way, we're instead of doing our scouting report um, on Cincinnati, we're going to have our old friend Kenny Rhoda from WHBC Radio in Canton on Friday because I think there's actually more interest in the Browns upsetting the Ravens potentially. So he'll give us an update. By the way, Baker Mayfield today was named the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. My guess is. I would think that Saquon Barkley is going to win the Rookie of the Year. Um, And that's just, I mean, he's been fantastic. But Baker Mayfield, I have to admit, with that team, has made a difference. I remember making, we we had a joke uh, about the over-under initially. I think Vegas, in fact, I've got all the overs and unders. The Steelers, by the way, were 10 victories over and under for the season. Obviously, they're going to be under. Uh, for the regular season, the Browns were five, and I thought five, five and a half. I thought I got to play the under on that all day long. Well, they got a chance to win eight, which is who gets coach of the year? Maybe Hugh Jackson for leaving. There you go, Hugh. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Oh man, I, I don't know, but I, I I will say this: I'm not. sitting on pins and needles waiting for the outcome um, of that game in Baltimore or really even the one in Pittsburgh. Uh, You know, what happens, happens. I will say this, that if the Steelers do manage to get in, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, analyzing that game, evaluating that game, I I just feel like I'm done. If they still keep going, then I'll be going with them. But if they were to get in, I would think that they're not a team that anybody would be anxious to play because I know how disappointing this season has been. But they have played two of the best teams, I would say two of the best five teams in the NFL. They beat one, and I know coulda, woulda, shoulda, but they they should have won that game against New Orleans for any of the number of reasons that we've discussed. At the very least, they stood toe-to-toe with them, as the sword suggests. Now, the way things are working out, depending on what happens, if they do get in, and I'm, not, I'm discounting the wild-card possibility. I, don't, I think that's you know because Indianapolis and Tennessee have to play to a tie and all that. They win the division. They would host either the Chargers and Chiefs, and especially if the Chargers, I'd love another crack at them. The way they looked against Baltimore, thanks for your effort, by the way. Chargers. I don't think they're, the Steelers are a team that anybody would like to play. And that would include the Chargers, the Chiefs, or the Patriots. 
All right, Jerry Dulac will join us next, talking Steeler football. We continue on Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. I choose to operate the way I want our team to operate. There are going to be plays that happen in a game positively and negatively for a variety of reasons, whether it's performance-related or officiating-related or anything-related. The bottom line is when they're done, they're done. you got to move on uh, because most of the time what truly define you, defines you are the plays that lie ahead. Well, unfortunately, the definition is the Steelers are 8-6-1, and hanging by their fingernails over an abyss. We're doing now by Jerry Dulac. He covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and for the Steelers Radio Network. Jerry joins us each Wednesday. He's brought to us by Shady Grove in Shadyside. $3.50, 22-ounce Coors Light drafts during all Penguins games, which would mean tomorrow night Jerry also brought to us by First National Bank. Merry Christmas, Jerry. Well, Stan, Merry Christmas to you as well, my friend. It's so good to have you back, and um, you know I'm, I'm glad you're doing better. And as you know, and I'm sure you could tell, a lot of people were uh, both concerned about you and missed uh, having you around. So we're glad to have you back, and I'll look forward to seeing you uh, at the ball yard on Sunday. Absolutely, thanks, Jerry. I really appreciate that. Uh, as I said uh, to open the show, uh, it's never too late to uh, discuss. Um, um, what's happened, good news or bad, and when it comes to football, uh, it just seemed to me that what happened in New Orleans was like a microcosm of so many other games this year. I mean, they stood toe-to-toe with arguably the best team in the league on the road, terrible place to play for a visitor, um, but the same kind of things that seems to have bitten them all year bit them again. Yeah, you know, Stan, you've heard me say many times uh, that they, there's not a team in the league they can't beat, and at times, if, forget at times, for a good majority of the time, dominate. And I'm not saying they dominated the Saints, but they controlled that game pretty much. Um, but as has been the case in these last six games, certainly four of them, they, they, they don't find ways to win. More importantly, they find different ways to lose. Now, I know what happened in New Orleans might not have been entirely their fault, because I just thought that fourth down pass interference, uh, it's unfortunate that that happened. You know, ironically, it happened to the Bengals a number of years ago, too, on a, um, uh, I believe, a, 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 a rough in the passer call. I'm, I'm thinking it was on Justin Smith. And, and they called a rough in the passer call against, um, actually, ironically, on Bruce Gradkowski. And I can't remember if it was uh, the Steeler game or when Gradkowski was with another team, but. Whatever the case may be, it kept the drive alive. They went down and scored a touchdown, and it kept the Bengals from the playoffs. And that's what that call is going to do, except for the fact that they've done it to themselves, as we know, for the most part. And when you look how close it could be, you know, um, these last six games all decided on the final play. Very easily they could be 12-2-1. Very easily they could be 6-8-1. Uh, now that doesn't add up. 5-8-1. <laughs> no, 6-7-1. Um, so... Um, no, I was right the first time, wasn't I? Six, eight, and one. Six, eight, so, and one. Yes, all right. Six, we, eight, and one. Yeah, um, my math's a little off. Stan. It's all right. We get we get the drift, though. And, and and so when you look at those four games, really, uh, just one stop, one stop in any one of those games, they're in the playoffs. One stop against Denver, defensive stop, they're in the playoffs. One stop against Oakland at the end of the game, they're in the playoffs. One stop, which they thought they had in New Orleans, 
they're in the playoffs, you know, provided, of course, they win the final game. Chargers, and, and, Chargers and too. Same thing. Well, I, that's what I was getting at. The Chargers, too, except I will defer to just a little bit for how sharp Phillip Rivers was. But, Stan, in that game, in that game, if you recall, James Conner runs 22 yards to the 26 after the Steelers score at the end of the half to make it 23-7. They get the opening kickoff. They drive down the field, and a bogus holding penalty against Ramon Foster, his yeah. first of the year, his first of the year. Otherwise, they at least kick a field goal because they got down to the 22. They at least kick a field goal, maybe make it 30-7, to and that's a different game. But same deal. One stop against the Chargers, they win that game. That's how close it's been. But they, as I said, they just keep finding different ways to lose. With all the elements that, I should say, ingredients that went into that uh, lousy-tasting cake in New Orleans, uh, all those things were factors. They all factored in, you know, the Ridley fumble, the fake punt. But still in all, to fit into your narrative, it's third and 20. It's third and 20. And they've done a good job against Bree. No, yeah. I mean, to me, that's the play. That's the play. Yeah, now, of course, the argument is that play would not have occurred if that penalty wasn't called. But I'm with you. It's third and 20 and wide open down the middle to Ted Ginn. I'm not sure, uh, Stan, right now, if that was Sean Davis or Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton was standing a little flat-footed, and Sean Davis was really nowhere to be found. So I don't know whose fault that was, but I'm with you there. And, and you know, third and 20, and you allow that to happen wide open, wide open in the middle of the field. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a costly play. There, there's no question about it. And, and those are the kinds of little things uh, that seem to happen. You know, Stan, as strange as it sounds, I believe that this team is better than last year's 13-3 and three team. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of what Bill Parcells has always says. Your record says uh, what you are, and that's what they are right now. That's the type of football team they are. Uh, you know, and and um, because they didn't find ways to win, they kept finding ways to lose. What what, however it was, whatever it was, um, that's where this football team is. And really, Stan, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Undoubtedly, they don't make the playoffs. It didn't happen Sunday in New Orleans. No, it happened right. in Oakland. It happened in Denver. It happened in Cleveland. Uh, I do have a couple more questions because we haven't had a chance to talk uh, since Sunday. Just a couple of plays. Uh, what was the explanation uh, and then your opinion of Ridley even being in the game before the fumble? And it was to me, it was so reminiscent of the Fitz Tucson fumble in Denver because just the circumstance there. They had a lead. They're driving to pad the lead, maybe put the game out of reach. Uh, that and also your thoughts about the fake punt. Well, the, the, comparing it to the Tucson uh, uh, fumble, um, I, I, I get the comparison. I think the difference was that Tucson had, was playing, had been playing a little bit more, obviously, in that game than, than Ridley had been. Um, and, and when you look at the previous three plays, don't hold me this to exactly, but I believe it was seven yards, nine yards, and four yards by Jalen Samuels on to open that drive. And why then, in that situation, uh, uh, they would uh, you know put Ridley in and hand him the ball is just that's what I didn't get. If Jalen Samuels would have fumbled, I would have said, "Well, okay, he fumbled." But I didn't understand why Ridley in that situation uh, was in the game. Uh, as for the fake punt, Stan, I did not have a problem with it um, because I know what he was trying to do. And I do not know Mike Tomlin's explanation for Stephon Ridley getting that, being in the game and getting that carry. <clears throat> but with the fake punt, I know they were up four points and you have the lead 
and maybe there's no reason to try and pull some gadgetry. But I, I know what he was doing there on the road thinking, you know what, we can end the game pretty much right here. We'll keep the ball away from Wolf. Uh, and, and so that's part of Mike Tomlin's philosophy. It didn't surprise me at all. And I get it. So I, I just didn't have as big a problem maybe as some people have. But I know I, I get exactly what he was thinking and, and trying to do. Um, and, and unfortunately, they came up a yard short. You know, Jerry, I got all that as well. My objection to it was, as I mentioned on the postgame show, was not the philosophy behind it and why he did it. My thought was their position on the field. Um, if they'd been in New Orleans territory, um, I would have been more accepting of that attempt. But my overriding thought was they had done a really good job on Breeze up until that point. He really he, uh, The one touchdown right. the second half, the first touchdown they got was a gift thanks to the officials. Um, so I'm saying, I'm going to punt the ball. I've done a pretty good job against you here. Uh, I'm going to make you go 80 to beat me, not not, well, not 42. Well, Stan, if you noticed, I didn't say I agreed with the call. I just say I understood it. Okay. I get what, I get, <laughs> They're two different things, was, right. I get what he was thinking because, I, you know, that's just that's the way Mike Tomlin is, and, and I get it. And, and so, but, hey, look, if I have the lead at that point, I try to, you know, punt it and pin them, uh, pin them back down a little bit. And and you're right. They had been doing a nice job uh, against Drew Brees, and and you know maybe it's one of those deals you don't want to keep you know whistling past the graveyard with with uh, Drew Brees. But uh, hey, all in all, with a four point lead, um, I, I I punt it away and try and protect it. And that's not to say that would have made a difference. But I mean, obviously, in this case, it you know it, it backfired. And and I, I'm just you know look, I don't fault these guys. I mean, it's just part of today's NFL but it was just kind of ridiculous how those guys, three of those players celebrated like they got the first down. Cause I'm thinking, why are they celebrating that? I yeah. missed something. And, uh, you know, I think they, they, they kind of look foolish doing that, but that's just beside the point. Let's talk about, you know, where they're headed. Um, without getting too much in the analysis of the Browns Ravens game, you know, whatever happens happens. Although I do suspect that if that should happen, given the way they played against the Patriots and the saints, certainly two of the top five teams in the league, uh, I don't know that any team would be really that anxious to play the Steelers in a first-round game. And Stan, and let's not forget the Chargers, too, for, for most of three quarters. Uh, yeah. My point about how they just seem to dominate teams at times. Um, uh, you know, and I know Carolina has, has struggled since losing to the Steelers, uh, but at the time, I think they were a one-loss team, and the Steelers just took them apart. Um, and, you know, and that was a pretty good defense, too. Um, yeah, there's no question, Stan. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I, the Steelers are a very good football team, um, much better than their record indicates, but we know why they are where they are. And there isn't anybody they can't beat. There isn't, uh, you know, I don't care where they are. They play, uh, you know, they play very well on the road. They know how to keep the games tight. Uh, look what they did to Brady. For the most part, I know Drew Brees passed for 324 yards or 25 or whatever the number was, but, um, you know, all in all, there were no uh, a long passes. Uh, you know, uh, the let's not forget that pass interference in the end zone, which gave them a touchdown. I know it was early, but it gave them a touchdown. Absolutely, and, and, it, was and, a, that, and it was a fourth down play, by the way. Uh, right, right, and it was just it was just a horrible call. It was a oh. horrible call, and everybody saw it. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, there there's a lot of bad calls in the game. It's just unfortunate the two calls against Joe Hayden cost them. Cost them fourteen points, and of course, the biggest one was the was the fourth down play. But yeah, Stan, they get to the postseason. There's no reason 
They, I don't care, uh, you know, even if they get in as a wild card. There's no reason they, this team couldn't go on a run because they're very good. They're very good. And, and as crazy as it sounds, I think their defense has been a lot better. But, you know, it's those one or two plays that, that are killing them. And, and maybe if they got in the postseason, it would be the same deal. It would be, would be the same script. I don't know that all of a sudden it just changes. But, um, you know, even when they went on the road in the 2005 stand, they had won their last four games yeah. to get in. And they, got, they were on something of a roll. Then they get Cincinnati where they always win. But then once they got to Indy and then Denver, they just blew those teams away for the most part, even though I know the Indy game was close. Um, and so there's no reason they couldn't do it again. Um, but, you know, the key now is, is going to be getting that outside help. And it's the first time in how many weeks now, almost almost since week five, Stan, where now they need, they need help. They don't control what's going to happen. They have to get some outside help. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's all their own fault. Yeah, no question about that. Um, even the Chiefs, uh, who are, you know, can be uh, devastating offensively. They have a horrible defense. It hadn't gotten any better. And they had to play the Chiefs without Joe Hayden. Uh, so, you know, and that could happen, too. That could be the first-round matchup if, if the Chargers win that division. Everybody, as you know, Jerry, you hear the talk shows, you're on them. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, I mean, of course, you know, if they were 14-1, and one, people would want Mike Tomlin fired. Uh, that's right. not going to happen. But I'm wondering if Art Rooney, if, if they don't make the playoffs, let's say, um, and there would be a tremendous disappointment given where we all thought this team was going to be, not just locally but nationally. Um, if if uh, you think that Art Rooney might tell Mike Tomlin, hey, um, you're on notice, um, 2019, you're on notice, and also demand or strongly suggest some changes in the coaching staff. Yeah, uh, uh, Two things, Dan. We have never seen the Rooney family act in that manner where they would put somebody on, on, on alert, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, effectively put them on a probationary period. Okay, you got one more year and you got to turn this around. That has just never, ever been their style with their other coaches. We have seen Dan Rooney, as he did with Chuck Knoll, recommend some staff changes. Just, but to be honest, I don't know where they would make them. And the only place I would say they would make them is probably uh, with Keith Butler, and in defense of Keith Butler, uh, Stan, this isn't all about Keith Butler. This is about Mike Tomlin's defense, too. Mike Tomlin calls the majority of those plays. All you've got to do is watch them on the field when they huddle. They come over. It's, they huddle around Mike Tomlin. They do not huddle around Keith Butler. And so if somebody wants to blame Keith Butler, then you have to blame Mike Tomlin as well for the defensive deficiencies. But as we know, so, you know, Somebody has to be a scapegoat sometimes, and I would imagine if there is going to be a change, that's where it would be. But now I say that, and one of the things that Mike Tomlin liked about Keith Butler when they made the change from Dick LeBeau is Mike Tomlin did not want to interfere with Dick LeBeau. Out of, out of respect to Dick LeBeau and everything he has done and how good he has been, they let Dick run whatever the heck he wanted to run. So when he put Keith Butler in there, he knew he had worked with Keith Butler before at two other places. They had a good working relationship, and he knew he can put more of his fingerprints uh, on this defense, and, and that's what he has done. And, and, and I don't know that Keith Butler has any problem with that at all, um, but that's kind of the way this defense is operating uh, under this regime, and I don't know that Mike Tomlin would then sit there and, quote, blame Keith Butler and fire him, but, you know, I mean, where else on the staff are, are, are you really going to do it? They brought in a new defensive line coach this year. They brought in a new 
secondary coach this year. Um, you know, their linebacker coaches. I, you know, I, well, I don't want to blame the. I was thinking maybe I, Porter, Olsavsky, Danny Smith. Well, I well Danny Smith. I would get. I I don't want to blame Jerry Olsavsky for this reason because of what he's working with. They no, no question. Good. They are just not very good nope. on the inside. If they want to make some changes, they better do it in personnel because they do not have the players to play on the inside to play in today's NFL. And so, you know, uh, Joey Porter, um, you know, I don't have, again, I don't have a huge problem with the outside linebackers. You could point to T.J. Watt, but the other, the flip side of that is Bud Dupree, but then it's, is it, is it, is it uh, Joey Porter or is it Bud Dupree? Um, I would be surprised if they exercise his option at $10 million this year because, for the most part, I think with the exception of one play, you didn't see a whole lot of Bud Dupree uh, in that game in New Orleans, and that's been the case for most of the year. So I just don't know where some of the changes would come, uh, but I, I think one of them could definitely be special teams. All right, Jared, great stuff as always. Enjoy talking with you. Good to talk to you again. We'll do it again next week. Will you be talking about a playoff game or doing a season wrap? One or yeah, the other. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it comes down to, Stan, but I will say this, and you know, you know, over the years, I've seen a lot of strange stuff happen, and so I'm not sitting here saying it's going to happen, but uh, if it's something where they get in, won't surprise me because I've seen it before. 89 in yeah. Tampa. Uh, right. A, snowstorm. I was there. Uh, the, the, the electricity in the hotel didn't work, um, and six games had to turn out their way. So uh, this time you only need one. Uh, yeah, and we saw it just uh, not even that long ago with uh, with Buffalo. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, who, who, who knows, Stan? It, uh, you know, there's a couple scenarios. All they need is one, and it's very plausible based on the way the Browns not only are playing, but based on the way this team, the uh, Cleveland team, wants to finish. And they're, just, they're, they're running it out, and you know what? They already beat them once this year. I know it's a different Ravens team. It's also a better Browns team, too. So we'll see what happens. All right, Jared. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. I'll see you Sunday. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, Stan. Glad to have you back. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate that. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network brought to us by First National Bank and also by Shady Grove in Shadyside. $3.50, 22-ounce Coors Light drafts during all Penguins games. Coming up next... Should there be replay expanded to deal with calls like the one, the awful one, the first one in particular, made Sunday in New Orleans in general? Should the pass interference penalty be changed from spot to a 15-yarder like it is in college? Should those things be part of the NFL? We'll get your thoughts next. 412-922-2874, pound 970 at Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. 